This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. In these COVID careful days, this service was held outside. We hope you were able to appreciate the sound of the birds and the dogs, as well as the passing trucks and cars. The message of God's word is still clear and audible. Our second reading comes from the book of Revelation. And we are hearing the words of Jesus to the church, or seven churches, seven messages, seven being a divine number, a perfect number, with three representing the Trinity, four representing all things of the earth, Together they make perfection. This is a letter then to the whole church and to us today. We will read the first message of those seven found in Revelation chapter 2, the first seven verses. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You have found them to be false. I also know that you are patiently enduring and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then from what you have fallen, repent. Do the works you did at first, if not. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this is to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are aware that you do speak and you ask that we listen. So we pray that we may listen in a way that we hear you speak to us. We pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. A rescuer went to an island where a man had been stranded alone for 20 years. The rescuer was asking about the major structures that he saw on that island. And he asked, what is that one that's overlooking the bay? And the castaway said, oh, that that is my home. Well, what is that one? 
the one with the spires. The castaway said, that is my church. But what is that one? The one with the bell tower. Oh, that one. That's the church that I left. <laughs> like, like a castaway, when we grow dissatisfied with a church, we go find another. Or sometimes we drop off completely any sort of attendance. And I am aware that there's no church that's perfect. Therefore, I would like us to look in the scripture today and we see two major messages. One is this question. What makes a church the church? And the second is, what is Christ's message to the church? Well, the church is not perfect. And you have heard it said that if you ever find a perfect church, do not join it because it will no longer be perfect. <laughs> and we know that at every church, there is some sort of disrepair. My husband, Jim, has had a Honda CRV for less than four years, and it had terribly squeaky brakes. He took it in and learned that they had deteriorated completely and needed full replacement. If you own a home, you know that it always is in need of fixing. You have an ideal for your home, but it deteriorates just by living in it. In the same way, in the church, there's always some disrepair. And I'm not speaking of the building. I'm speaking of the people. The church is not a building. As children, do you remember? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. The church are people whom God has called out of the world to himself. Let's do a one-word study. Church in English is ekklesia in Greek. Ek came into our English like eccentric. It's out of the center. It means ek is out. Kaleo comes into English as call. So it's called out. So God calls out people from living in the world clueless to God and says, you are mine. It's like God called to Clara this morning. Red Rover, Red Rover, let Clara come over. That's the church. He calls us. And those who respond by faith are sealed in baptism with the Holy Spirit. And they are given the gift of the other life of God, the life of God living in them. So a new creation comes into them and they are in process together. But as we know, Jesus always calls sinners to repentance. 
He doesn't call righteous to an award ceremony. And so we as sinners are carriers, not of COVID, but of sin. And so when we gather in a church, we, we carry what can become an infection that affects others. This is what happened in five of the seven churches to whom John writes. None of these churches was more than 50 years old. Now, in five of them, five of them already needed a major course correction. Old South Presbyterian Church is 274 years old. We celebrate the 275th next year. Is there any need of correction that Jesus would speak to us? So when John receives this vision of the church, when he sees the churches, they are represented as lampstands. What is a lampstand? It holds a flame. It's a, a candle holder. So each church is a location where the believers hold the light of Christ. Therefore, we have to look again. What makes a church the church? It's not perfect people. It's not the building. We've not worshipped inside the sanctuary altogether since mid-March. And yet, our numbers have grown, our faith has grown, our outreach and ministry has grown. The church is not a building. You go through New England and you see former church buildings that are now restaurants and museums, condos and community centers. So what is a church that makes it the church? In all of the passages that we read in Revelation, it's when Jesus Christ is in the middle. In chapter 1, verse 13, the risen Christ stands in the midst of the church. In chapter 2, verse 1, he's walking among the church. The church is the church when it serves as a lampstand where the light of Jesus Christ in the middle is shining. So if Christ is not at the center, a church ceases to be a church and is a religious organization. It is an advocacy group and it is a building. We see this all the time. I, I call it a facade church or at times even a deceiving church. A facade church looks like a church on the outside but Christ is not within the people. It can happen when churchgoers fail to believe that God really offers us an interactive life with himself through Christ that's ignited in love. A facade church has people who work on religious tasks and serve on committees, but they have never tasted the true love a deep joy, a lasting peace. Is 
your life a lampstand for Christ is burning brightly or is it a facade that allows you to mask the emptiness you feel inside Jesus stands at the door and he knocks if you look at the top of your bulletin you see Revelation 3 19 and 20 in the mid-19th century, William Holman Hunt illustrated Revelation 3.20. In Hunt's painting, Jesus is preparing to knock on a door, and he lifts his hand, and you see that it's overgrown with weeds all outside from lack of use, long unopened. And there's no handle on the outside it's only on the inside behold says jesus i stand at the door and knock and if you hear my voice and open the door i will come into you and eat with you and you with me and if you have not opened that door are you willing to are you willing to even today church can be a facade or a church can actually be a deceiver deceiving people it looks good it feels great but it leads to destruction because it's based on deception and lies deception is satan's most common tool temptation always comes in a disguise not in the form of a coiled snake that is a rattling tail temptation comes smoothly it comes gliding into our thoughts with a suggestion that there is nothing to dread that we should not be alarmed in fact what we should be is comfortable this is why scripture says that satan disguises himself as an angel of light second corinthians eleven fifteen says that not only satan but some church ministers do the same rob bell was the founding pastor of mars hill church outside of grand rapids and that church plant grew quickly to six thousand in Sunday worship week after week 28,000 a week would download his sermons in 2011 Rob Bell published the book love wins he restated what Satan has repeated for years the plot goes like this live as you please even if it is in direct disobedience or rebellion or apathy to the triune God revealed to us in Scripture. In the end, everything turns out well. Everyone lives in a happy ever after eternity. It's just like that 1989 animated movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. All people go to heaven no matter what. We find this plot presented in modern novels and nearly every movie, but it is not a modern notion. 
We find it back in Genesis 3, at the very beginning, when Satan deceived Eve in the garden, he disguises himself as religious. He presents himself as intent on our good. The late Haddon Robinson wrote, Satan doesn't come to you and say, pardon me, sir or ma'am, give me a half hour of your life. I would like to damn you and destroy you. No, Satan wants only to talk a bit of theology with you. And when you're in the process of being deceived, you find yourself talking about God in an abstract way, as though God was a mathematical formula with multiple combinations. When we are deceived, we find that the formula ends up giving us permission to live as we please, as Lord of our lives. And we find ourselves free to disobey God's word. Jesus starts to look offensive and scandalous to our informed intellect and our deep understanding. And we avoid any talk of the cross. Beware of such a church. It is not the church. It is instead a gateway to hell, disguised as an easy path through enlightenment. So what is Christ's message to the church? Well, each one of these seven is unique, but they all share the same outline. Each one begins with Jesus' words, I know. In Ephesus, verse 2, I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance. I know you cannot tolerate evildoers. You're bearing up patiently to Smyrna. I know your affliction and your poverty. I know how they slander you. And Pergamum, I know where you are living. You are living where Satan's throne is. Jesus knows. He knows what is going on in each church, and he knows what is going on with you. I don't know what word you need to hear from the Lord today, but whatever it is, it will begin with, I know. I know what it's like. I know what you've been through. I know what you're feeling every day. I know what's ahead of you. And that knowledge is because he loves us. The second part is also because he loves us. He gives a correction, discipline. Christ is serious about sin. It's as serious as if you have just one organ that's full of cancer, just one. And instead of saying, oh, the rest of you's fine. He says, we must remove this for you to live. Christ is serious about sin because he's serious about the church and he's serious about you because he loves you. He loves the church. And he knows the devastation that sin would bring. And so he deals with sin directly, firmly. This past Thursday on the Bible study, 
everyone's invited to it. We're studying through Revelation on Zoom for one hour at 11. I was doing some teaching right at this moment and was watching Jordan, our seminary intern, on her computer screen. I could see what was behind her, but she couldn't. And what did I see but her new six-month-old dog chewing on her shoes? <laughs> I pointed it out, and Jordan got up, corrected her dog, moved her shoes. This is what Jesus is doing, dealing directly with what we're not to be doing. And he knows. He knows about Ephesus. He knows that they're working. He knows that they're holding to orthodoxy. But what's going to kill them, what's the sin, is that their love has died at the heart. They're faithful, they're orthodox, but there's no burning flame. They are going through the motions. Repent, Jesus says. Remember the love that flowed out of you to me? Remember when my love was so real to you that it flowed out to others? Finally, each church receives a promise. All of us need motivation if we're going to stick with our commitments. Students have to know the graduation will come if they do their work. Project managers need to know that they will experience satisfaction and remuneration if they're to stay focused on their task. Jesus gives us motivation to persevere as lampstands. And what is it? To every one of the churches, he gives some expression of what it will be like to be in perfect fellowship with God forever. That perfect fellowship that existed before sin entered the world. He presents the tree of life, crown of life, white stone, morning star, pillar, white garments, eating and ruling with Christ. Now you may wonder, is that sufficient motivation for you to persevere in faith and obedience? Why not more blessing now, like Janis Joplin? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Well, remember, Jesus said, anyone who opens the door, I will come in. I will eat with you and you with me. In other words, I will do life with you. You get me now, and you get the fullness forever. Remember as well that you and I are ceaseless spiritual beings with an eternal destiny. This is why Jesus' message is so important. When Mickey Mantle, the baseball player, was dying of disease that was brought on by a life of heavy drinking, he said that if he had known he would have taken better care of himself if he knew how long he was going to live. Now, how should we be taking care of ourselves if we are never to cease? 
Jesus ends each message to the church like this. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What have you heard this morning? How will you respond? Let us pray. Jesus, we pray that we would not diminish what you have offered to us, which is life eternal that begins now. And we pray that by your Spirit, you would give to us a shining flame that burns bright, that spills over into the world, that actually is your plan. So we pray that we may be the church in yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.